0: This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world
1: of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work.
0: From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Rachel Norton and Dr. Kelly Bonwell
1: Hey, Together friends and family. Rachel Norton here hosting today with my friend, Kelly Bonniewell. Hi, Rachel. Yeah, we're rolling with season five. I feel like we're tracking in some really neat directions. I hope you listeners have been following along with us. And we have Nicole Freiling with us today. And excited to introduce her and talk a little bit more about her. But uh, first, Kelly, you had some special occasion happen recently.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah what was that? Sunday, Easter Julie and I celebrated our twenty-ninth anniversary. I cannot believe it's wow. twenty-nine years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So
1: Yeah. And just talking with you, it's like a really sweet time of your marriage. Just seems like it's getting better and better. And yeah. It's kind of fun talking about that.
2: Yeah, definitely. But
1: and then, you know, you start losing track. So I was like, it's thirty one, thirty. I guess I think it's thirty yeah. one, you know, yeah. all that stuff. But yeah, excited for you guys. So, you know, a topic that comes up now and then is um well, people open up about struggles in their marriages, and some of them use the word stuck. Mm-hmm. They just feel like they're a little stuck, and they wonder if God has more for their marriage in mind. And so it can be hard to distinguish between when this is a super unhealthy relationship, like maybe destructive, versus it's just discouraging and disappointing. So we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit today. Um, and so I want to introduce Nicole Freiling. Nicole? You and I hang out now and then. Why is that?
0: We do. Um, about eight months ago, came on staff here at Ada Bible Church as one of our women's ministry directors. So yes, excited to be on your team.
2: Yeah, I can. Yeah. I remember the day, Rachel. Do I you? I know Nicole from a previous life, and <laughs> uh, when I heard Nicole was coming on staff, I'm like, how did we get Nicole?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we still wonder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's so, kind. Nicole, you've been involved with women women's ministry for a while at Ada Bible, but it was neat to see you step into women's ministry director role. You bring so much with you. Mm. And I know marriage is a big thing um, that uh, is on your heart. And I know that you, in your counseling practice that you've had, um, have helped a lot of couples mm. um, and come alongside a lot of people. So we're excited just to hear your wisdom and hear a little bit from your experiences, what you've seen and uh, so tell us a little bit, though, about your family and what does that look like? How long you've been around Ada Bible? And and then let's dive into some of our topics.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, my husband, Aaron, and I, we have attended Ada for about 12 years. Um, we have two teen girls that are almost 15 and 17. Um, so I feel like they've kind of grown up around Ada. Um and yeah, I'm a, also a licensed professional counselor, so I, I still do some private practice um, and then just felt the Lord kind of calling me toward ministry um, about a year ago. So excited to be here on staff as well. Um, and yeah, I'm really passionate about relationships and most of my work is with women. Um, and so I, I do find myself working with women who um, desire a healthier marriage, but maybe their spouse isn't quite ready for um, couples counseling or to kind of dive into that, that work. And so that's when they kind of use that word stuck. They, they feel a little bit stuck. So,
2: so to jump into this, Nicole, let's uh, start by, can you share with our listeners how you view a disappointing marriage versus a destructive marriage?
0: Yeah, I think that's an important uh, thing to distinguish between, because today we're going to primarily talk about those disappointing marriages. So a disappointing marriage might be, again, where you feel stuck. Maybe you have some personality differences that are hard to get over. Um, maybe you have some disagreements on things like finances or raising kids, um, or maybe you've just kind of lost your connection over time. Um, those would be things that I would classify as you know disappointing or discouraging. Whereas a destructive marriage would be more along the lines of physical or emotional abuse um, or someone who's having an affair that's that's not ready to repent about that. Those would really be classified as more of the destructive marriages. Um, and today, we're not really going to have time to dive into that. Um, and we're going to focus more on what to do when you find yourself in a disappointing marriage.
2: I think that's awesome. So, uh, and I think, you know, for maybe some of our listeners, that's where they're at. They're in a place where they're stuck. Maybe they've been stuck for a long time. Maybe they've been stuck just for three months. But right. I think uh, Nicole and uh, Rachel and I are going to just share some insights and maybe how you can get unstuck.
1: Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. And I think a resource that's been really helpful to, to kind of discern which camp you're in is a book by, um, I think, an author that you're going to reference, but Leslie Vernick. Yes. And it's called, do you know the name of the book that I'm thinking of? Yep.
0: The Emotionally Destructive Marriage is, is a good go-to for that. Um, she offers kind of a inventory quiz at the beginning that helps you really investigate and evaluate your marriage and kind of where you're at. And then she helps you kind of distinguish whether you're finding yourself in a destructive marriage or a disappointing marriage. Yeah,
1: it's a helpful tool. Mm-hmm, and we've gotten absolutely. that in some women's hands and um, mm-hmm. and it's been helpful. So we are going to focus on the one that's in that disappointing kind of discouraging mm-hmm. spot in their marriage. Not not that destructive camp today, yeah. but I bet we'll spend an episode focusing on that uh, in the future. So uh, start us out. Like, how have you seen this surface in your practice? Um, invite us into almost a conversation that might come your way. Mm-hmm.
0: So a lot of the work that I do, uh, women typically come to me with anxiety. It's kind of my niche area of where I work. So they come to me um, with Um, anxious feelings or they're they're worried or they're fearful um, or they find themselves overwhelmed but what a lot of times happens as we start to unpack that and kind of pull the layers back of that is really they're typically in a marriage or a a relationship um, that is causing a lot of stress and that's kind of some underlying stress and so therefore contributing to more of their overwhelm or anxiety and so although we might talk about anxiety or depression so many times um, when I'm working with women, we're also talking about marriage and other family relationships
2: and at that point, Nicole, when a woman comes forward and you realize that she at, on some level her anxiety is connected to her marriage, is that at a time where you either refer her out or do you try to pull her husband husband in and do uh, marriage counseling
0: um I've done a couple different ways depends on the situation um, if if I find that we're talking primarily around marriage um, you know, I'd like to help them understand that they can't control the other person. Right. And so unless we are in a couple's counseling situation, we can only work on who's there um, with that person, typically a woman. Um, And so I would really encourage her to um, or him to have that conversation with their spouse to see if um, couples counseling might be right for them or they might be ready for that. Most often, I typically refer that out if I have a longstanding relationship with the client um, because typically the spouse is going to feel better coming into kind of a neutral zone. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's usually my first suggestion. If that is not um, an option for this couple uh, because the spouse is not open to that, um, we can still do work. I always say, you know, we can have influence and impact on our relationships. We can't control the other person. But are there some things that, that the client could focus on or the person could focus on um, that could maybe influence or impact their relationship?
2: That's great. So one of the things that I really appreciate, Nicole, what, when you and I talked about what we're going to talk about today is you offered us a lot of practical advice on If you are stuck in what, what should you do? So let's walk through that list you made and uh, just uh, talk about like, what are some of the key practical steps a person can take if they feel like they're stuck?
0: Yeah. I would say first is to just really honor your experience and validate that. Um, So often we're taught that certain emotions are good or bad. um, And so just to offer that compassion toward yourself, that what you're feeling is okay Um, If you're feeling disappointed or discouraged or frustrated or you're grieving um, what you've lost or what um, isn't in your marriage to just take a moment um, and to feel that and validate that for yourself. Because so often we don't do that and we kind of sit in the camp of, well, I should feel this way or I should be doing this. And so we're not really getting to the root of it because we're not acknowledging what it is that we're feeling. So I would say to start there. Um, and also when we don't, um, acknowledge those emotions, so often we tend to react out of them. Um, and so that can be another good reason to name those emotions for yourself.
2: That's great. And then, uh, where to go from there?
0: Yeah. Well, um, as believers, we have the honor of having a relationship with God. So I would say definitely be very intentional in your prayer life and in your own spiritual disciplines. Um, and allow God into that story with you um, and allow him to kind of be your rock through that because um, you're, you're going to need that probably. So um, I would definitely start there as well.
1: I love that, Nicole, and especially connecting those first two, mm-hmm. really sitting with the Lord and bringing him how I really feel. Mm-hmm. Right? I love how this came up in a sermon series uh, mm-hmm. long ago. This might ring a bell to you guys, but a Pastor Jeff Mannion talked about how feelings matter right? Mm -hmm. They're from God. They tell us how we really feel, Mm -hmm. right? So we don't need to pretend them away. He said, but you know, they can make horrible leaders, Mm -hmm. right? So, but do process them. Um, And you kind of have, you know, we don't stop there. with just owning how we feel. Uh, What do you recommend kind of after that?
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, another series from uh, Jeff was on lamenting. And I think that that can be, that can give us a great framework um, for what to actually do with our emotions, so I think the Psalms really offers a great framework for that. Um, to be able to kind of again name how we feel, um, ask those hard questions of God, um, but then kind of come back to acknowledging Him and who He is, um, and praising Him in that in that moment too. So I would say lamenting is a great framework for. Cool and never in it alone. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Perfect yeah. segue, yeah. Rachel. Yeah.
2: So. Uh, we've talked about two key things. Now, the third one, often what happens in, uh, what can happen in a marriage that's disappointing is one or both people begin to isolate themselves. Mm-hmm. So the third key point you offered is you've got to get support. Mm-hmm. Um, Once you flush that out for our listeners of what support can look like mm-hmm. and how might they go about that?
0: Yeah. Um, so yes, we can tend to isolate in our feelings or in our experiences. We can feel like we're the only one that feels that way. Isn't that true? I always tell my clients, <laughs> if I could just gather you all in a room together and you could share your thoughts and feelings, I think you'd all feel so much better. Sure. Um, so, But being intentional about who you invite into that story. So this this isn't a time to necessarily tell everyone everything that's going on in your marriage, um, but being wise in who you kind of select. So maybe that is... Um, a close friend that might be a family member that you trust. Um, It might be a small group leader or someone in your small group. Um, It could be your pastor or a counselor. Um, Many people do appreciate the counseling setting because it is um, someone that doesn't know you. And so they're able to kind of really hold to that confidentiality too. So that might be another option as well.
2: Talk a little bit more about that. Why, why would it be good for a person to go seek counseling, and how that might be different than talking to a friend or mm-hmm. talking to someone at
0: church. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, as licensed professional counselors, we're not allowed to counsel our friends and family, um, and there's a reason for that because we we bring in bias, we bring in perspective, we bring in history of years of knowing someone, um, and having that that neutral confidential person, um, allows you a different perspective. Um, you're, you're sitting in it. Maybe your friend has known about it for a long time or your family member, um, bringing in that new, fresh perspective, um, I think can really help you see maybe some blind spots as well that maybe you haven't, haven't noticed before.
2: Perfect. So now we're going to get to the really practical, uh, aspects of if you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And I really like what you shared and I like this label that you gave it work on healthy ways to speak your needs. Mm-hmm. I think that's really crucial. What What's that all about?
0: Yeah. So often, um, in the marriage relationship, um, well, we all have core needs and, um, sorry, we all have core needs. Um, but so often we, when we're in conflict or high crisis time, we again are maybe reacting out of emotions. We're maybe um, not sharing those needs in healthy ways, or maybe they haven't been received in in good ways before. Um, and so, I think this is a time to really hone in on how we're communicating. Um, and I would suggest using I statements. Um, so. Often we find ourselves saying things like you always or you never in times of conflict. Um, And what that does is that immediately draws up someone's defenses, right? If some if you feel accused of something, your wall is going to go up, you're going to feel defensive. Um, And that typically doesn't get us very far. So you you have lost your audience. You have lost your audience. Okay, mind, Rachel. You have lost your audience.
1: So sometimes it really is learning a different approach Mm -hmm. that can help someone get unstuck. And with you, you yourself being the leader of that new approach. Right. And it can be contagious too, right? I Mm -hmm. start start talking to them a little differently and then they kind of start talking to me a little differently. Mm -hmm. That little shift from Mm -hmm. you to I. Yeah. Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, so a couple of examples might be um, maybe someone, maybe you say to your spouse, you never help me around the house, um, or you always spend money without asking. Those might be in, again, high conflict times. You kind of spit that out at them. Their defenses are up. It doesn't get very far. Um, so instead, you could use an I statement. So for the first one of you never help, you could say something like, um, I feel overwhelmed by the amount of household responsibilities I have. And I would love for us to work together to come up with a better plan for getting things done.
1: Drop the mic. <laughs> right, that's just such a different dynamic.
0: Right. And if, if someone said the first approach to you, you never help versus that second approach, just how differently you would receive that and hear that. Um, or for instance, that you always spend money without asking, you could say something like, I feel confused and frustrated about our spending and our budget. I'm hoping we can sit down and talk about the plan for our finances. So even in in that case, they're saying they're frustrated. Like that's, it's okay to share those emotions, um, but you have to own them as your emotions um, and then ask for that, that need. Because in the first couple of statements with you never help or you always spend money without asking, you're not sharing anything about your needs. You're mm-hmm. just blaming and pointing the finger at the other person. Um, so it's really saying... It's saying more with our needs, but it's saying the same thing. Um, it's just in a much more approachable way and you're owning it for yourself.
2: So good. So we got now number five. If you're keeping notes, this is number five. <laughs> um, and this might be one of my favorite ones that we talked about, Nicole, and that is model what you would like to receive or affirm of what you want more of. And I like that because what I, when I'm working with couples, I always tell them, on some level, a marriage problem oftentimes is an individual problem. Mm. Like I can't change Julie. I can only change myself. Mm-hmm. And I love this idea of modeling. So um, talk about that. What What do you mean about modeling for your partner?
0: Yeah, so I'll give you an example. Um, I had a woman that I was working with who really desired um, for them as a family or for them as a couple to disciple their children more intentionally Um, and she was getting frustrated that her husband wasn't taking the lead on that. Um, and so again, this was a situation where the husband was not open to doing work on himself or as a couple. Um, and so we started to just kind of brainstorm some ways that, um, she could work on that intentionally in their, in their home, um, but kind of be the leader of it herself. And so, um, she said something to him. So she decided she was going to pray more intentionally with her kids at bedtime. And so she just kind of said to her husband, Hey, I'm going to start praying with the kids at bedtime. Would you like to come into the room with me? Um, and so she wasn't forcing him into anything. She was just inviting him into that. And then she was leading it. She was modeling that for, for him. Um, and then eventually he kind of started to join in that with her. Um So, That was an example of modeling to her husband, but also not sitting in just that bitterness and resentment that can build um, when your needs are not getting met or the needs of your family are not getting met, um, but gently kind of inviting him into that.
1: And I would imagine they don't always come join you. No, you know, sometimes you do that and they don't. So it's really trusting God with the results of that, but honoring to that person, but Mm -hmm. opening the way Mm -hmm. uh, for them to step into it. So,
0: yeah. yeah. And maybe it's, you know, a couple of months where you're kind of doing it. And then one night he, he walks in and joins. Um, Yeah, you're absolutely right. It doesn't always work out that same way, but you are still then doing what God has asked you to do, which is disciple your children um and not necessarily just leaving that up to him to do.
1: Sure, and we're talking about this being the wife who's wanting the husband mm-hmm. to be more engaged. This could be the husband wanting Absolutely. the wife to get more engaged. So I know you've worked a lot with female clients. So mm-hmm. that will come up a lot in this conversation, but just to know, it can definitely be that yep. other spouse.
0: Absolutely. Yep. I've worked with men individually as well okay. in similar situations. Um and then that kind of goes with when you speak your needs or you share those desires with your spouse and they do something that you want more of, um, that's a great time to affirm and appreciate that behavior. And so at first that can feel a little bit frustrating maybe. Like maybe you want your spouse to help you with the dishes. Um, and they step in and they help you with the dishes. Maybe at first you have to ask. And you you might feel frustrated that you have to ask. Um, but when they do help with that, giving them some positive regard for that, appreciating them, letting them know how much it means to you that they helped with that. Um, All of us like that positive reinforcement. And that typically is going to get more of the behavior that you're looking for.
1: Well, and I think Kelly, you've talked about this in previous episodes, just noticing those small things and appreciating them out loud goes so far. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. That's something I think that we all can probably do better is that I think all of us, so you have encouragement Mm -hmm. and then you have challenge. And, uh, and research shows that you want a seven to one use encouragement over challenge. And yet I'll be honest with you. I lead with challenge sometimes too much. And so throughout my day or throughout a week to be able to look back and go, okay, well, how often did I encourage Julie versus challenging Julie? And again, your standard is seven to one and often like I can tell you in a, period of my marriage mine was 7 to 1 it was seven challenge <laughs> to one encourage yeah. yeah and uh and if and if you are operating in that way you are probably not going to have a very close marriage. Mm-hmm.
1: It would be neat to invite our spouses to share what they think that uh, ratio no, looks a bad like. Idea. Is that bad? Okay. That's okay. A bad <laughs> idea. Never mind. Never mind. Okay.
0: <laughs> that's going to lead yeah. to some challenge, I yeah, think. It could spark some interesting <laughs> conversation too. Right. I'm yeah. Teasing. I think yeah. that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. But it it also kind of goes along with love languages, right? Like, so when I, like, how do you feel most appreciated asking that question to them? Because for like, for me, I know words of affirmation go a long way. Um, but for some people it might be, um, acts of service. So like doing something back to them that they want more of, right. Um, or putting your hand on their shoulder and saying, thank you. Cause their physical touch or whatever. So I think having an open conversation about that is helpful.
2: Okay, now we are at number six, and um, I really like this one, too. Uh, It's a very simple phrase that you gave me, don't gossip or spouse bash. Yeah. Talk to us about that.
0: So this kind of goes along with who you are inviting into your story um, and being wise about that, because sometimes in certain friend groups or environments, um, there's a lot of gossip, or what I call a lot of times it's husband bashing, right? Girls get together on a girl's night and they're complaining about their husbands. Um, And that's, it's just not, it's not helpful. It's not godly. It's not getting you any closer to getting unstuck from your marriage. It's just keeping you stuck. Um, And it just builds that resentment and that bitterness that you might already have building. Um, And it's just not honoring to to your spouse. And so I think just staying away from those environments or not participating or being intentional about not um, stepping into those spaces when you're in a time like this.
1: It makes me think of our group environment Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, you know, men's groups, women's groups, right? Um, Many that are involved are married and we bring our real struggles Mm -hmm. to those conversations. But upfront we say, let's be a part of this being a safe place where we're not bad mouthing anyone in this environment. Right. And so, you know, I think it's, It's really important to have friends who are for your marriage Mm -hmm. and that that matters to them too, that, that we don't husband bash together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And that ties to the last one. Um, and that is you say, be careful who you share with. Mm -hmm. Talk about that.
0: Yeah. Um, kind of goes along. I've said that a couple of times, but I think it's just so important because it is important to invite people into your story with you, but you just really need to be wise about who that is. Um, I had a client that I was working with who, was really struggling in her marriage with people-pleasing. She was finding that um, she was, yes, there were some things challenging going on with her husband, but she was finding that she was kind of enabling some of that behavior. Um, And she didn't have a ton of close friends, and so she was going to her mom with that. Um, But what she realized is she had learned her people-pleasing from her mom. And so her mom was just encouraging her encouraging behavior, right? And so taking a step back and asking who is, who is best to come into this conversation with me, who is going to guide me well, maybe who's in a marriage that I um, admire. um, And maybe that is someone that I could go to um, rather than it might not be the person you've always gone to with things. It might be somebody different.
2: I like that. I think another way to look at it too uh, is to think. So the cool thing they said about Jesus is that he bought brought, to his life both grace Mm -hmm. and truth Mm -hmm. and um and the way i look at that is everybody um i think healthy people have that balance of grace and truth but unhealthy people are imbalanced and they are either a only grace Mm. so that friend would be like uh that friend might be, uh, one angle could be, oh, it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. and just not really engage with you about the seriousness of the issues of your marriage. The over the person who is over too much in terms of truth, those people are typically uh, very black and white thinking. And though I think that friend maybe be, would be the person who can only see bad in your husband or wife sure. and then therefore just every conversation you have over coffee that person is tearing down your spouse to the point and I've seen this happen in counseling over time you begin to believe that mm-hmm. and so you got to be very very careful I I really mm-hmm. like that one uh, you got to be very careful about who you share your struggles with and again I think that gets back to the the uh, the positive aspect of seeking counseling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think most people who are stuck, um, it would really, it might only be six sessions that they have to go see somebody. But to begin that process, I think is really important. Yeah,
1: agreed. Especially if that word "stuck" might come to your mind. Yeah. Like, that. and that's a short-term investment, and see what God might do with that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and we're typically stuck because we're trying the same things. Mm-hmm or doing the same things, um, or thinking the same things. And so when we step into that an environment like counseling, um, or with a ministry leader or someone, again, they're just kind of bringing in a new perspective that might give you something different to think about.
1: Here's to, I, I see a lot of women, we want to be loyal, Mm -hmm. right? So I have these challenges. I don't want a husband bash. So I kind of don't talk to anybody, but that counselor might be the first one. It's a safe place where you can open up about what's really going on and get some wise counsel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So the the first aspect of uh, that we've talked about in terms of a disappointing marriage is you got to express yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, second aspect that we're going to talk about is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're only going to talk about one aspect of boundaries today. There's many aspects of boundaries today. We're going to talk about emotional boundaries. Yep. So, Nicole, can you kind of... Explain that, what that is to our listeners?
0: Yeah, so if you continue to kind of be stuck in your marriage, you're trying some of these things that we talked about, um, but it still doesn't feel like um, a safe place to resolve conflict or to talk about hard things. Um, That might be a time where you need to set up some boundaries for yourself. Um, And really, that is honoring to you and it's honoring to your spouse. Um, so one of those areas might be some emotional boundaries. Um, and that might look like, um, a timeout giving your yourself and your spouse permission to step away from the conversation when it gets heated, um, or too intense, or you're saying, or doing things that you know, you don't want to do. Um, Preferably before you get to that point. But so you are setting a boundary. One of you is saying, I am just really not in a space where I can talk about this right now um, or my emotions are too intense. Um, can we step away and come back to this? And it might be 30 minutes. It might be a whole day. Um, everybody kind of takes a different amount of time to kind of regulate, process through, reflect on things. Um, it is important to come back to that. Um, especially if it's uh, something serious that you do need to talk about. Um, But giving yourselves permission to step away and to put up that boundary for that time.
2: Timeouts are huge in a marriage because when an argument goes real bad, um, number one, you're not really listening to your spouse at all. Uh, Number two, your voices probably have gotten louder. And you always have to remember when my voice gets super loud, Uh, the person I'm speaking to, uh, their ears are turning off. Mm. And uh, that timeout is, like, if you haven't figured out this argument Mm. in, like, 45 minutes, another 45 minutes is probably not going to solve it. Mm -hmm. So I love that idea Mm -hmm. of timeout.
1: Yeah. A question, how is taking a timeout different than someone checking out?
0: Mm. Good question, That is a good question. I think that a timeout is an intentional choice versus, um, just kind of shutting down and numbing out or checking out and not coming back to it. And I think when you have a timeout, you're both on the same page. You're acknowledging that this is getting to a place we don't want it to get to. So let's both agree to step away versus somebody checking out is probably an individual choice where they're just walking away okay. from the conversation. Mm-hmm.
1: Like I'm done with this conversation. Almost I'm done you know, mm-hmm. dealing with you. Right. So right. very different.
0: Very. Yeah.
2: So, um, we have one more in this category about boundaries and that is, uh, you should steer clear of certain topics. Can you flush that one out?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you are in maybe a high conflict season in your marriage or you're stuck, um, you're, you're in a challenging situation or crisis, um, really your, your goal is unity, right? That that's what you're seeking after in your marriage. Um, And so if there are topics of conversation that, you know, cause division that are not crucial to the foundation of your marriage, um, this might be a place to put up a boundary and just not participate in those conversations. So, for instance, um, maybe it's about what political candidates are running for office, um, or maybe it's about certain social issues or things like that, that you maybe in a healthy time in your, your marriage, you and your spouse can have an open conversation about that and share each of your thoughts Um, but you might be in a season where that's not possible right now. And so you need to focus that energy on things that are more foundational to your marriage. So just kind of steering clear of those kinds of topics that are just going to cause more division and um, continue to push you apart.
2: Okay. We're going to end with uh, a really hard question for you and Mm -hmm. it's one we get all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is what to do if your spouse isn't changing. Um, Now we could talk for, two hours on this topic (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh we're going to talk maybe for about five to ten minutes um but what would you say are some key things for people to remember that if your spouse isn't changing think of doing this
0: yeah first of all i just want to acknowledge how hard that is to be in that situation especially if you are you're fighting for your marriage you want this marriage you want to honor god with your marriage and you're not seeing um your spouse participate in the same way. That's just so um, challenging and discouraging, but that can also leave you in a spot where you feel like you just continue to pile it on yourself where if I just prayed more, if I just did more, if I just pleased him or her more, if I did more of this. Um, And I think that it's important to remember to just rest in the freedom that it's not up to you to change the other person. Again, we can influence and impact people, um, but we cannot change someone else that really is between them and God. Um, and so resting in that freedom that it's not up to you, especially if you have been trying a lot of the things that we've been talking about, or you've been following wise counsel, um, and your spouse is still not changing to um, rest in that. Rachel, I think you said, leave the results up to God, sure, right? right. Um, kind of goes back to that as well. And have you seen
1: some that have you connected with for counseling Step into that like they really came just trying to do more. Um, how have you seen them make that shift and and what what was on the other side of that shift?
0: yeah, I've seen that a lot actually um, where I mean we see this in couples counseling but also individual counseling where they come in with the goal of changing the other person right um, and once they are able to release and just surrender that other person to God, um, there really is a weight lifted from them where they can just continue to focus on themselves and what they can do. Um, And this is where a lot of the boundaries works come in and letting go of things that they can't control. Um, And it really allows them energy to focus on themselves and their relationship with God and loving that other person where they're at. Um, And there's just so much more joy and freedom in that space for them then feeling like they have to carry the weight of not only their own work, but the work of the other person.
1: I would just think that that would be hugely helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love that you get to see that. Mm-hmm.
2: It's so cool that we're talking about this today because I, um, see a client on uh, Monday nights and I met her and her husband, uh, almost three years ago now. And, uh, Uh, Definitely a stuck marriage. Not a bad marriage, but a very stuck marriage. And if they didn't get help, things could have gotten worse. Uh, But I met with the husband and the wife two or three times. And after a while, the husband basically came back and said, well, honey, I think uh, most of the problems reside in you. Why don't you continue to see Kelly? Because I I don't really think I need counseling. And that's not what I thought. (laughs) But Uh, we rolled with it. And, uh, so over three years. So again, this tells you a little bit of timeline Mm -hmm. of what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, uh, met with her and we've worked for the most part on her stuff. Mm -hmm. How is she causing havoc in the marriage? And every now and then we'll talk about him, but for the most part, Kind of as, you, as we've talked about today, she tried to model the behavior that, um, that she was hoping for out of her husband. She tried to be that person, mm-hmm. more affectionate, more friendly, et cetera, et cetera, other, other things, a lot of other things. Um, but the cool thing that happened last night is... She has asked him over these three years to go get counseling multiple times, maybe three or four, not all the time, not slamming him with it. But, hey, honey, I really think you could talk to somebody. And not even in relationship to her marriage, Mm -hmm. she was talking uh, that she felt like he needed to get counseling in terms of parenting. And, uh, And the cool end of the story is two weeks ago, he finally went, and saw a counselor and he sent her a text last night. Uh, Yeah, it was last night. Sent her a text last night. Honey, thank you so much for pushing me Mm -hmm. to go get counseling. I'm so glad I'm doing this right now. Wow. So that's the beginning of the journey. And that's Mm -hmm. why, that's kind of why we're talking, this stuff works. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, again, that's why I say it took three years. Right.
0: I was going to say that, (laughs) emphasize that, that there, there can be a, patient endurance that comes with trying to get unstuck. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it
1: often takes that one to take that step, get Mm -hmm. some traction, and then it can Mm -hmm. be contagious. So, Mm -hmm. Nicole, it's been so great to have you here today. We knew that this would be great. And bringing so many practical helps to this conversation has been awesome. So, Together Friends, we just thank you for joining us today. You know, if this podcast has impacted you, if it's provided you some practical help, we would love to hear about it. Feel free to comment, share, and like our podcast on your listening platform. From Kelly and I, this has been Together. Tune in next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform, leave a comment, and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.